Hi, everybody. We thought we'd do a quick take on a recent order that was passed by the Punjab and Haryana High Court. Um, the order was what's called a protection order, um, where a married couple or an unmarried couple approaches the High Court seeking protection um, from state authorities. The order caused a substantial amount of controversy on social media because the judge effectively denied protection um, to this unmarried couple. He went on to note that if such protection is granted, the entire social fabric of society would be disturbed. Um, so we thought we'd take a couple of minutes to just go over what um, protection orders are, uh, what the issues with them are, and um, then circle back to the observations of the judge. So um, I'm not a practicing lawyer, but Reshab practices in the Punjab and Haryana High Court. So he can give us some unique insights into what exactly protection orders are. So Reshab, could you just quickly walk us through um, what Section 482 of the CRPC is and how it uh, deals with protection orders? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so uh, before we start, I think everybody, we all know that it's not like the greatest order ever passed. And it was a huge Twitter storm. So it was quite fun to see what reactions were there. But there is a lot of layers to this order, like even though it's just like six lines, maybe there's a lot of layers to this order, which are very interesting to look at. So firstly, we should see what really are protection matters, right? like Vasu just said. So either they file, a, file under 482, which is basically the inherent power of the high court, which you see, you want, what you want actually is the police to protect you from a certain action. Or you come under Article 21, which is a, which turns out to be a criminal writ petition, which is protection of life and liberty. There you come out and say that, you know, there is a danger to my life because we are a couple and we have usually married against the wishes of our parents, therefore give us protection. So this protection sounds very fancy, right? I think that's the whole thing with this protection sounds like one of the greatest ideas of what this protection is doing. Yeah, I mean, it certainly sounds like uh, something that is necessary in a society like India where say, parents regularly file criminal cases against um, unmarried couples or married couples who have eloped um, to sort of bring them back under the control of their parents. So having a relief where I can approach a court, especially a high court, and say that, no, protect me from my own parents um, because they aren't accepting my marriage certainly has a lot of appeal to it, one would think. Yeah. Um, but what does a protection order actually do? So once I get an order from the high court, saying that um, I'm granted protection and it, it's directed, like you said, to the state authorities. What does that mean? Yeah, so this is actually very interesting because I remember once I joined practice and I used to see these protection orders a lot. And I used to ask like the seniors or my colleagues, you know, what is protection? Like, what does it mean? I remember nobody could explain it to me. They, they had, they're like, oh, it's just protection. But like, what is protection? So after asking, I think, various people, someone finally told me that once you file for protection and you're granted protection, which is actually just a five-second hearing, usually. You stand up and you say, my Lord, protection, and he grants you protection. So a letter is sent to the local SHO saying that this couple has either run away. We're assuming it's a married couple. This married couple is run away, and it's, they're married against their parents' wishes. So protect them. So it's not that someone will come outside your house and start protecting you. It's just that information has been given to the local police station. Now the interesting bit is that why? Why do you need this police on your side because usually what they're assuming is that a parent will be actually better placed in the society to file an FIR against you. So what they'll do is they'll file an FIR stating that the boy has actually seduced the girl 
and he has kidnapped the girl or he's raping her stuff like that to put pressure on the boy and to break this marriage so now this protection order by the high court is actually acting like a proof of the genuinity of the marriage so when the lo- you go to the local sho saying that you know file an fir he'll just say you know i have this protection order what do i do with this this is this clearly shows that they are married so all of your claims go out of the window so i think that's a very interesting right so what you're saying is that the protection order is not really um, to grant physical protection so much it's more along the lines of um, creating a sort of legal impediment to parents or other relatives who might seek to file firs against this couple yeah. saying that um, say the boy has kidnapped the girl or uh, along those lines right correct, correct. um but correct. that's but like right. like you said like this is this is then the hesitation then because now what you are actually doing is you are asking the court to approve your marriage which i think is the in trouble that the court feels when passing such such orders so so right. it's a right um so it's right before we started this discussion you actually sent me um another protection order by the punjab and haryana high court so i thought that's super interesting and it sort of reflects this hesitation and this um judicial sanctification of marriage or judicial recognition of marriage yeah. so maybe i'll just read um read out a couple of lines from that and then you can um explain to me what the what the judge is really talking about yeah, so I, in that case yeah. also So yeah, go for it. Yeah, I'll just once again. So the interesting bit is this order was actually passed prior to the order. So there are two orders. One was this Justice Shetrapal's order, which became famous everywhere. This was passed on twelfth May. Then there's this Justice Madan's order, which we'll discuss just now. It was actually passed on eleventh May. So it was passed prior to Shetrapal's order, Justice Shetrapal's order. I'm sorry. So it's not a precedent. So the thing is, once one order got public, and it got this bad press. the second order also came out similarly you know this order is also there like it's not like a one off thing that justice setrapal has done there are various orders like this that are coming right. out right right and and i think that also like it goes to the sheer number of uh, volume of cases that are filed under under this provision right so i mean based on your experience in the high court how often or how regular is um a, is protection sought under 482 and like on an average day so even if it's a miscellaneous day in the high courts how how common is a protection order yeah so that's the so that's so see, once we start like you just asking this question once you start putting this question out you start to see what's happening in protection matters so i think first not like a very conservative guess would be on an average maybe i see 60 protection matters and those protection matters once you start seeing them you start seeing a pattern in those protection matters so what happens is there's this interfaith couple or not even interfaith there's just a couple which may or may be bearing against their parents they are very young usually they are maybe 18 19 20 21 around that age bracket they get married as soon as they get married they come to the high court seeking protection and it's like a one day thing and the high court usually grants it so then you start seeing that why are there so many couples like this right like what's happening in punjab and haryana and then there are various orders that point to this fact that actually this is a whole scam because what you do is these parents sorry these a couple say you want to get married they go to a mandir or they go to any religious place and they say you want to get married the pandit says okay i'll take x money and we are get you married without your parents being around and i'll also get you protection from the high court so they only suggest you a lawyer and they only suggest you this protection the idea of protection you know that you know your parents may actually trouble you so you actually need protection and then they come to the high court so that's very important it's like imagine a judge doing 60 protection matters in a day every day 
So that's a huge burden on a judge. And he starts questioning his views of his constitutional powers for that matter. He's a constitutional court and he is like protection is important, but sheer volume of cases starts making it a farce. I think that's it. Right. So, so what you're saying is that it's not really a, it's not so much a case of um, parties who are potentially aggrieved or at actual risk, but it's more a pro forma thing that everybody who gets married uh, not obviously everybody who gets married in Punjab and Haryana, but yeah. it's a regular part where the people who are getting you married, whether it's a pandit or any other religious yeah. authority, yeah. automatically suggests that you go to the high court and the judge really isn't doesn't have the time to look into whether or not there's an actual risk to right. these parties because they're just coming at him in droves and everybody who uh, marries in say a particular temple under a particular pandit is being sent to get a to get a um, a protection order from the high court, basically. Yeah. And, you know, this has actually snowballed into a much larger problem. I think Vasu and I were discussing before, this actually we started recording, is that what happens is, because there's an order of, so it's a young couple, right? They're maybe 21, 19, and they might not be sure about their marriage, you know? And they, after a certain point of six months or seven months, they want to split, which is natural. Like, anybody can split whenever they want to, right? So now they go and file a divorce. Or now they actually go and start complaining about maybe... Uh, marital rape or this complaint about domestic violence then what happens is then the opposite side usually so it's usually the basically the female is filing for these cases and usually the men in the case come out and show the protection order and they say you know this is a proof of our marriage and our marriage was genuine i did not seduce you i did not rape you we were married and nothing has happened you are now under the pressure of your parents and doing all of this so then this becomes a huge problem because now even if the girl has withdrawn her consent there's this high court order that is against her. So this, the, so that's the problem. I think that's why judges are very varied. Of now, are getting very like scared to pass these orders because they know a larger impact of this. And a fun, interesting story is I've seen judges passing an order saying that I grant you protection, but you actually deposit certain amount of money in the girl's favor in a bank account, and that would be like a fixed deposit in her name. So that if something goes off between you guys, it's not that she's left high and dry, right? So there's some kind of protection and I've seen that and it's an interesting take on the whole situation because a judge has to maybe look at various other things that he's doing right and I think that's where now this question of live-in comes into being which I think we were discussing this just in Madan's order which I think you'll just read yeah, yeah. exactly right so that's I was just going to read that out and I thought that was also interesting it's a equally questionable order but um, I thought that what's interesting is that he he notes that um the exact language he uses is the petitioners in the garb of filing the present protection petition are seeking approval of their live-in relationship, right? So that's, and then he goes on to talk about how live-in relationships are not morally and socially acceptable. Correct. But let's put that that side because we yeah. know that's problematic like, right off the bat. Yeah. But let's talk about how, what he's talking about is that the, the people, the party seeking the protection order are yeah. basically seeking judicial recognition of uh, yeah, of their yeah. marriage, right? Or not even yeah. their marriage, their relationship. Yeah. Right. And like you said, this has a lot of knock-on effects because exactly. tomorrow this judicial recognition of the relationship can be used um in, in several ways, right? And one obviously like sort of overarching looming problem we have in India is that marital rape is still uh, not criminalized. Yeah. Right. So automatically once you say that uh the judicial recognition of this particular relationship and if it's a marriage, yeah. right, you automatically are 
the the judge is potentially stamping right um, a permanent sort of transference of agency from the woman with respect to sexual intercourse exactly. right so that this protection order even though it might seem small has significant impact down the line exactly i think that's the huge problem so if we read this order so it gives a very interesting insight of what's happening so this order reasoning is actually in two parts one is the petitioners in the garb of filing the present petition are seeking a seal of approval of their live in relationship which is the first part which has maybe some kind of logic behind it uh, which has like a judicial logic behind it which and then the second part is which is morally and socially not acceptable and no protection order in the petition can be passed so then the second part of the order actually starts getting you to what the judge is actually thinking like this is his bias that comes out and this is i think the problematic part because basically a judge has to balance the balance for the sides no he can't pass an order completely questioning limitations so once we know that they've been approved by the supreme court it's a very common thing you have to allow it but he also he might look at the bigger picture but his bias just comes straight off the bat right like like we're talking about his bias is quite visible here and which we we we'll just discuss is also like not as per the constitution like the constitution allows you to make these choices right yeah exactly right so i think that's that really goes to the heart of it because the the uh, backlash against the the order right uh, that justice chetrapal passed was really going to that question of sort of the individual autonomy and the ability of individuals to make free choices to live together right so we say that individuals have decisional autonomy right to privacy um, against particular state actions and etc uh, etc et so that's that's the intuitive reaction that people have right that this order immediately contravenes all those principles and effectively the state is passing a value judgment on um private decisions that people are making and i think that's entirely justified because you like you said it's coming not from anything to do with the protection order exactly. right um, it's not coming from is the person at risk or not right it's coming purely from the individual judge's opinion on um the validity of a particular relationship yeah. but like we have just discussed there is a huge structural problem with protection orders itself so okay. it's potentially valid for judges to not want to grant protection in certain cases especially where it may be abused later on yeah. right? but i think the second yeah but i think the interesting then part is the amount of time it takes you know if you have 60 cases of protection in a day you want to finish them off because you want to get to other judicial work there are bills you have to hear there are maybe habeas corpus cases that you have to hear so you don't want to spend so much time on these cases to the effect that i remember there was this order by justice ayana some just before he was retiring saying that this uh, protection matters are actually wasting judicial time and I remember him thinking he was stating that these matters should actually go to someone else or not and not the high court it's not the high court's job to start giving you protection at every point of time which is correct because at some point we realize that there are obviously relationships which are not approved by the society and which need protection like livings or lgbt relationships but there are also this huge structural problem that is actually stopping the people who really need the protection to get it because now you flooded the court with the litigation that is not necessary by the advocate yeah and i think uh, i think my sort of last thought on this entire thing is when we said we'll do a quick take on on protection orders and that particular order by the punjab and haryana high court i just sort of did a quick online search to figure out because i'm not a practicing lawyer i was not even familiar with what protection orders are but all the reporting i found made it seem like um, the court was genuinely granting protection actual meaningful protection yeah. to parties in say interfaith intercaste situations and this was like uh, 
a very very noble um, achievement on behalf of the mecca board. of the constitution right? like we are holding the mecca of the constitution like that <laughs> yeah yeah exactly right and after speaking to you when we had this little chat yeah. it sort of made me realize that there's a lot more going on under the surface right so when we we are very very quick to jump to say that okay the court was right or wrong and yes the court was definitely wrong yeah, exactly. in passing that value judgment right yeah. nobody is debating that yeah. but i also think that the sort of narrative where we say that okay like protection orders must be passed right why is the court not passing protection yeah. orders sort of fails to acknowledge that the larger structural issue here exactly. that's going on in actual courts in, in, in actual right? yeah, that's a huge problem like we all agree they deserve the protection there might be some instances so that's what we were discussing before right this order if the judge would have found that you know they don't actually there's no real threat to the life a different order in a different way could have been passed but it's not that so it's not really that they don't need protection yeah. it's, it's something else that's coming out so but what guides it that's a question so at one point we all agree they deserve the protection and there's obviously that autonomy we cannot stop them but somebody has to address address those structural issues by the end of it so i think yeah that's yeah that's broadly a quick take on this whole thing and i'm listening <laughs> we hope that was a quick take yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah we hope to see yeah. you all in the next episode yeah thank you guys